Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom convo. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. I'm Mike Vardy. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because Crash Plan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast. So take a moment to check them out. Crash Plan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. Crash Plan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With Crash Plan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With Crash Plan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, Crash Plan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's crashplan.com slash timecrafting. Back up better with Crash Plan. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout? Oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. 
So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? That's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the show. On this episode, I speak with Justin Shelby. He's the founder of Artichoke. And we dive into what exactly Artichoke is in this episode. We also talk about the productivity pitfalls of 
starting a new venture and how he has learned to avoid some of them. We also, not all, notice not all, because sometimes they rear their ugly head and he talks about that as well. Talks about awareness. We talk about simplicity. We focus a lot on simplicity in this episode. Automation. And then we dive a little bit into the realm of AI, which is, you know, something that I don't really talk about all that much with guests, but with Justin, it was more than appropriate. And you'll hear why. Uh, just in a few minutes, actually. Actually, why don't we just skip the few minutes and get right to a few seconds? Here's my conversation with Justin Shelby on the Productivityist podcast. I'd like to welcome Justin Shelby to the Productivityist podcast. Justin, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, we got you. You're you're on the road. You're just traveling as we're getting ready for this interview, uh, and so I'm glad we we were able to connect because you're you're a, you're a busy guy. You've you've founded three previous businesses the the one that you're kind of focusing on right now we'll 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 kind of start off with this is called artichoke for people who aren't familiar with artichoke can you maybe just tell people a little bit about it and maybe the reason why you started it? i don't i mean you know i, I think that there's obviously if you're, you're you're starting several businesses this this must have been an itch that you needed to scratch yeah well the uh, the elevator pitch for what artichoke is all about is it's an all-in-one business platform for solopreneurs and micro teams to efficiently run their business with the understanding that for a lot of solopreneurs and micro teams, the passion is the service they offer, not so much the, you know, running of the business, so to speak. And mm -hmm. that often can get in the way of progress and success. But the backstory on it really goes back to uh, an unrelated business that we were in, um, kind of stumbled into the, the, the boutique urban fitness club business and at the time, industry software had not caught up to the notion that facilities had multiple revenue streams outside of membership. So I teamed up with a, a developer at a, at a company that my wife worked in at the time, uh, and we built a cloud-based solution to manage this in-house need with no aspiration to do anything beyond that. Uh, and it worked great. And uh, in fact, years down the road, we were still using it and starting to transition off of it onto the industry software that had finally caught up. And uh, we're kind of scratching our heads, noticing that the workforce was changing pretty dramatically, partly enabled by technology and especially mobile technologies, but also just attitudes towards work were changing, you know, kind of a generational effect. People were no longer thinking about that 30-plus year career in one place, and they were starting to be more creative about how they approached work. So uh, what we understood from all that was that there was really um, a pretty big void uh, in, in the market for easy-to-use business utility solution to run your business. So, so anyway, that's the backstory, the kind of the passion part of how it got launched. It, it was a in-house solution that transitioned later into a, a bigger opportunity. And what along the way, like what, what lessons have you learned along the way, having started a bunch of business, because it can be a, a real pursuit, uh, but sometimes it can be less than productive along the way when you're going through the, the, the growing pains of a business. So, I mean, I have a lot of audience members who are freelancers or starting their own business or have their own side hustles. Like what were some of the growing pains that you came across and, and maybe how have you, I mean, along the way, and then maybe when you were, uh, you know, getting into the latest venture with Artichoke that you were able to refer back to those, go, okay, I know how to deal with that pain point and how to kind of keep myself clear from that this time around, or at least being able to mitigate it to a certain point of view. 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I would say that a couple things come to mind quickly as you're asking me the question. One is the fine balancing act between establishing focus so that you can channel your resources, which in the early stages are usually limited. And let's face it, even for big companies, resources allocated to divisions or projects or initiatives are limited by design, right? So no Mm -hmm. matter what your context is, you need to focus and to focus narrowly enough to accomplish something meaningful with what you have and then build from there. So I think the challenge when you're in the early stages is chasing the the most shiny object you happen to see that day um, and thinking, oh, well, that's what we should have done. Now, the complete inverse of that notion is that you have to stay aware because the first path that you picked is very unlikely to be the final path to success. So you have to continue gathering data along the way and just not reacting to it too quickly. Um, And yet even that can be flawed because if you're reacting to customer feedback, and sometimes if you don't react to that quickly enough, it's a death sentence. So it's really this balancing act between listening without overreacting, establishing a narrow enough focus, and, and then rallying the team around that focus until you have enough information to say, well, we need to shift that 20%. So to, to me, those are the big ones. How important is simplification or even just going with a, a form of minimalism? Because that's that's the real you know buzzword nowadays is minimalism. But let's talk about simplification. How important is that, not just in the terms of you running your business now, but also in your life? Like how how much of a role does that play? Well, I mean, I'm a big believer in, in simplicity across the board, as you just described it. Um, I'm not, uh, I don't claim to have uh, succeeded in achieving what I would believe to be the, the, the optimal uh, amount of simplicity across the board, but it's constantly on my mind. And so I think that that plays a huge role in long-term success in your life and, and certainly with your professional world. Um, as it relates to you know, new ventures, uh, whatever the industry or category may be, uh, um, simplicity is a critical success factor, especially in the early stages, because uh, it enables you to leave room for things that might seem pretty straightforward and simple when you start them, but then there's 40% more to it than you thought once you get in. And, mm-hmm. and, and then you have that bandwidth to consume that additional 40% and, and do it do it well. Whereas if everything you assume out of the gates is you've got it fully figured out and scoped and there's a 5% margin of error, well, what do you do in that 40% hit? So I think simplicity in focus is is mandatory. I think without that, the chances of success are tr- reduced dramatically. And when you're working with groups, I would imagine it's even more crucial and critical for, for simplicity to, to take hold because there's more objectivity behind it. Whereas when you're working with groups, you know, there's a lot of subjectivity because you've got different people, different opinions, different strengths, weaknesses, et cetera. So having simplicity play a massive role in there is, is, would be critical too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the more complexity you build into interactions and strategies and certainly um, on the, on the human level, the interactions between people, you know, I think the less likely you are to keep a team focused um, and motivated. 
Now let's talk about automation a bit, because I think that, I mean, uh, you know, in, in my research, you are a fan of automation. I know that, that there's automation involved with, with the product that you're with artichoke now, but I want to talk about the dichotomy that can happen between simplicity and automation. You know, I mean, one of the things that I love doing is, is when it comes to automating, I often automate by having, uh, you know, frameworks and triggers in place mentally. So that way my, I, I'm doing more of a human automation than say relying on technology to do it. But I do understand and, and even have some, you know, technology that is helping me automate along the way. How do you strike, um, you know, harmony between, you know, simplicity and automation? Because there, there can be the danger of too much automation, which can affect simplicity, or not enough automation, which makes things complicated or even or even convoluted. Yeah, I mean, I think the balance is unique to the situation uh, and in business, unique to the industry and the size of the business. So, for example, I think it would, well, it, it might be tough to find too many people that would argue against the idea of um, how much more powerful human-to-human interaction is for something, say, like product support, you know. And so, if you if if your business allows for that, right, you which is you know an expensive endeavor, then you know it would probably be the best path. But the fact is, most businesses can can only afford a certain level of that you know, realistically within their, their, their business model. So there's some element of automation that's, that's driven by necessity, right? You still need to provide that excellent service, but a portion of that needs to be automated. Uh, and then there's a point, as you mentioned, where you've gone too far and the customer feels as if there's absolutely no human on the other end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why would I do business with that company? And that's, we've seen companies, you know, let the pendulum swing too far that direction. So it, it really does depend on your industry and your your company's size and resources but the interesting thing i think that's happening now uh, and it's affecting all industries all facets of business but certainly on the customer success side is the introduction of true artificial intelligence tools that coupled with real human interaction can be spectacular for for example someone writes a message in and says hey i'm having trouble with XYZ um, product feature, and they immediately get back, you know, suggestions for tutorial videos and other clients that have asked the same question, a couple instant resources they can browse, but they still hear back from an actual support person, you know, within, let's say, an hour. Um, You know, so in, in that case, it's like this hybrid between artificial intelligence, automation, and human interaction. Let's, let's talk a bit about the, the idea of, of, artificial intelligence. We're seeing a lot of tools, you know, like a timeful would be a good example. We'll talk about the calendar here for a second is, you know, Google bought timeful and timeful was its own thing. And they basically, what it would do is learn when like you'd say, I want to do these things. And it would look at your schedule and based on, you know, a bunch of factors that it had, you know, built into its algorithm, uh, it would decide, hey, you would be best to exercise during this time, or you'd be best to do this at this time. And it was automatically slotting things. Um, we talked about the idea of AI. Uh, how, you know, and, and we may have already dove into this a little bit, but where where do you draw the line when it comes to that kind of, you know, um, handing over the keys to that degree, right? Do you know what I mean? Like when it comes to Gmail filters or, or filtering email and saying, okay, well, I trust that this, this, uh, this tool uh, or this piece of technology is going to um, 
take care of this and it's not there there the margin of error is so low like where 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 have you gone and then said oh i need to be- take a few steps back here and where have you uh gone and it it worked wonderfully and you're like why wh- why didn't i try this sooner yeah no that's a that's a great question so i i would say that in a product organization where so much of the golden nuggets of opportunity come straight from the mouths of customers or off the fingertips of customer customers typing, you know, a message that you really can lose an opportunity to significantly continue the improvement of your product and also miss that golden, you know, big idea that comes along only through a series of unexpected interactions. Um, Cause it's, I think it's pretty rare for an organization to sit in a, you know, an enclosed cell uh, and only talk to themselves and come up with all the greatest ideas. That just doesn't happen. In <laughs> yeah. fact, that's probably where the worst ideas come from. Right. Um, but, but everyone convinces themselves that they're the best because um, there's no outside stimulus. So I think from a product innovation, big idea perspective, you know, you can't, I think it's really dangerous to, to kind of leave all of that interaction out, even if you're technically serving the customer, you know, flawlessly. So I think, yeah, I think that there's an element where that's gone too far. Now, to give you a more concrete example, so we're, when if we overstepped our bounds on the automation side, um, you know, I'll give a simple example. So we have a notification engine in our product. And without getting into the details of it, it's intended to provide lots of uh, productivity enhancements for you know, the user who, you know, recognizes there's only 24 hours in a day and they know to do a lot of things. But the fact is, if they aren't earning money unless they're in front of the client, how could they also do, you know, appointment reminders and payments and happy anniversary, you know, all the stuff that Mm -hmm. makes for good client relationships. And so, you know, what we found was there was a line in the sand beyond which it was just kind of too much, you know, too much, too many choices to make for the user and the system too much, you know, canned stuff going out, you know, to the clients. But the stuff that was more functional and helpful, um, that stuff was good. You know, the stuff that that wasn't pretending to be too personal when really it wasn't. Right. That, that stuff is where kind of the, you draw the line. And so we're constantly working on finding that line because it changes, partly because uh, I think the general appetite for efficiency from technology is increasing as we get more comfortable and familiar with the devices and how all this stuff works. Whereas initially, no one wanted to really get anything but another person on the other end of the phone. So um, I think the, the the bar, the line in the sand is moving. And so we constantly have to kind of reevaluate that uh, as we go. So we've talked a lot about digital tools to this point. And it, you know, I mean, that's been the focus, but I'd be curious to know personally, are you purely a digital person or do you find that grabbing a good old fashioned notebook and other analog tools are, are, are also, you know, ways that help you. I mean, you founded, you know, like three, three previous businesses, you know, you've launched, you know, I mean, you, you are a doer. Uh, you know, so, I mean, uh, is all of that, like what role do the analog tools play, if any, uh, you know, when you're doing stuff, as well as, again, when do the, the digital tools come into the picture? You know, it's kind of an ebb and flow for me personally. 
I'll tell you that I've kind of gone through several cycles of the the basic tools that I use, and um, and then I'll migrate off of a set and onto a new set. And by the way, they're not all digital, so you know I'll migrate from a purely digital period into a period where I'm using the little moleskin book, you know, writing stuff down in a tiny little book and revisiting it later, um, and then back to digital and. And usually the back to digital is driven by a new platform that's introduced in the market mm-hmm. that just seems to catch my eye. And you know, lately the thing in the last couple of years for many people and, and myself included has been, you know, the introduction of Slack, which is just a phenomenal, in my opinion, a phenomenal tool that solves the big email problem. Um, and so, you know, tools like that, you know, come and they for me, they stick around for a while because they, they work so well. In other cases, not so much. You know, things that start off solving one or two problems, but then don't really scale beyond that, you know, end up punting and going back to some form of, you know, manual management or looking for another tool. So yeah, I would say that I've, I've gone through cycles on this. And I think that actually is, is a healthy process to go through, even though it can be a little bit disruptive to continually change these, you know, these tools, these tool sets. Um, because it kind of reopens your eyes to other possibilities. And I think over time, it makes you better. Let's actually talk about um, seasonal work. Do you find that there's some stuff that you do differently, like in terms of not just, I mean, again, with your group, with the company you're working with now, but do you find that there's certain seasons of productivity that you have where it's like, okay, this is the time of year where I generally find I'm better at working on these things than, than others, or are or is it kind of like you said, more of an ebb and flow, and it's not really terribly structured? Well, you know, if it, if your question is, is there a predictable seasonality, you know, year over year, um, you know, that of course is largely dependent on industry. Sure. But in the sure. case of what we're working on now, I would say there is some season seasonality component to it that that is recurring. But there's definitely like an ebb and flow to the team dynamic as it relates to productivity because, you know, you go through periods of business development or product development where you're defining the targets, identifying the targets, contacting the targets or defining the engineering needs and flushing them out and then moving into execution phase, which like we said before, no matter how well you plan, tends to be different than what you expected uh, to some degree. Right. And then, and then all the other things kind of have to slow down. So then the pendulum swinging into the execution zone, and then into measurement, and then you're back into concept. You know, and so yeah, there's definitely definitely very identifiable identifiable periods of ebb and flow throughout the year. And sometimes they're in two to four week cycles. Sometimes they're in two to three month cycles. And, and before we wrap up, I just want to talk about the idea of what what in in artichoke that you've you've got right now was the kind of the the minimum viable product. Like, what was the the core of like, okay, this is what we want to have here? Because I know your goal is just to make things simpler, better, you know, for for small groups. Um, and that's that's my understanding based on but based on what I've seen. But what like what was the the uh, the minimum viable that you want to make sure people got out of it. And then what have you been building on top of it slowly, but surely so that it can become maybe for lack of a term, more robust or more, more maybe complete in terms of what you're thinking of as, as the 
quote, finished product, end quote. So the, the MVP, the minimum viable product stuff was really, you know, the combination of payments, scheduling, and client data in one place, you know, and, and those three things together, which often for this user exist in three different places, um, gives you the ability to do some workflow automations that really eliminate a lot of steps mm-hmm. that are prone to lots of error in accounting than other things. So, although we're not an accounting platform. So th- those were kind of the MVP components. The things that we've been, and when we got to that point, we noticed a completely different transformation of prospects finding us and how they would engage with with us. So the things we've been building on after that um, have been a combination of things. One, one, we created the ability for the product to interact or to, to integrate with over 700 other products through a third-party uh, integration hub, mm-hmm. which gave us the ability to learn more about what people wanted, what they said they wanted versus what they actually used. <laughs> right. um, we built a multi-user function to the product that expanded it from just solopreneur to micro teams. Um, and we are now working on some pretty big partnerships that um, are, are not in the works. They're actually you know, done deals, but they're in development that will expand the earning modality, as we refer to it, mm-hmm. to then expand our vertical focus. But in this case, we're doing it through very well-known partners that are experts in those areas. So this ecosystem of meaningful partnerships that have been well-constructed to be very easy for the user um, is kind of the next you know, phase of big stuff that we're doing. As we finish off this discussion, I'm looking at a blog post on the get one of the early ones uh, at Get Artichoke, um, and it's from this is from 2013. So I want you know kind of give you a sense of of how long it's been. And this is we're we're now into the later part of 2017. Uh, even even you know, uh, let's talk about the idea of you can you can't do it all no matter what you think. Because I think a lot of people, and I talk about this in my work, where uh, you you feel like there's so many things that you want to do. And uh, David Allen's got that famous quote, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Um, how has this, looking back four years, and you probably are thinking about the post right now, but you may, may not even remember what you wrote, but it's going to be in the show notes. Um, how has that helped you? Like that reminder that you can't do it all no matter what you think along this journey as you've built Artichoke and even even outside of, of the business world? Yeah, so I'll answer the first part inside the context of our, of our business. Um, it, it's part of what we think about every day because if you think about it, we're saying, hey, we're the all-in-one business platform, but we, we had to define what all-in-one meant because right. you can't do everything. And so the all-in-one for us is, is understanding from a user's perspective, those core foundational elements they need that are big pain points for them. And that if you can kind of simplify all in one foul swoop, that it, it completely transforms their work life. Um, so, so, but the, the notion that the other things defining those other things that we are not going to do, um, is liberating, right? So we've, we've been really clear now about some of the things that we will not directly solve, but we will make easy make it easy for the user to find those things and for them to interact with us. On the personal side, um, 
yeah, same thing, really. It's, it's really trying to constantly simplify and eliminate noise in, in life that's not adding any intrinsic value to your family or your marriage or your friendships. And, you know, that's a, that's a process that's easier to say than to do, yeah, yeah. especially when you're self-employed. Um, because self-employment, although, you know, the Hollywood version of it is like, you know, you're the boss and all this, you know, it's, 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 a, you know how this is oh, a never ending stream of new challenges and stress management and, you know, all that stuff. So I think in the context of self-employment, the simplicity thing is, and you can't do it all is, is really about it. It's a daily routine of saying, all right, let's take an inventory here. And then there's kind of the quarterly inventory you take to say big picture, what do we have going on here? Do some of these things need to go? Do they need to stop? Do they need to transition? Um, and so it's it's it would be great if it was like a once a year thing where you just like lay it all out and go, okay, done, 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 keep, keep, keep. But it's certainly more complicated than that. But I think if you just refuse to do that uh, and accept that it is an ongoing process, you won't end up in a place where you want to be. Um, so I think on the personal side, it's it's pretty similar to business. It's a discipline of asking those questions over and over again and taking a few minutes to breathe and lay it all out and start moving things in a certain direction based on your, you know, your, your wants, needs, and desires. Justin, this has been a great conversation. Where, where can people find you um, and, and uh, you know, learn more about Artichoke uh, now that they've listened to this episode and want to dive in deeper? Yes. Um, well, well, thanks for asking and thanks for uh, having me on the show. I certainly enjoyed talking to you. They can find uh, more about the company at getartichoke.com, just like it sounds. Um, they can visit the blog, which is linked right off that main page. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me, they can reach me at justin at getartichoke.com. Justin, thanks for joining me today on the Productivities Podcast. Thanks so much. It was a great time. Big thanks to Justin Shelby for joining me this week on the show. You can read all of the links that we put in the show notes. There's not a lot this week, uh, but uh, that that blog post that he mentions is definitely in it that, that I kind of refer to. Um, you can check out Artichoke, of course, at getartichoke.com. And uh, yeah, I had a great time chatting with him. Of course, I have bonus material with him that's available to members only. Go to productivityist.com slash membership to learn more about that because there's a lot more in there than just bonus episodes of the podcast. There's a whole lot more. So uh, I had a great time today. Uh, thanks to John Polster for producing the show. Thanks to Justin for joining me. And thanks to you for joining me. And until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast and founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. <laughs>